you would allow a worthless vessel to come up here and preach your word and to preach your truth. That your truth would come forward, Lord. That you have prepared our hearts to be open and receive your word in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that I am not seen, that I am not heard, that it be your voice that comes forward, that it be your will be done. Have your way, Father, in this moment. Have your way in this body of believers and let your word be received in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, again, I praise God. The Lord has um, just been ministering to me uh, these last few weeks uh, just about the heart and about the heart posture that we have for God, the heart posture that is behind everything that we do, that it would be a heart for the Lord that would come first and foremost in our lives. You see, the heart is at the center of our physical body. It's the thing that pumps blood to every part of our body that gives it the functions to, to move forward, to, to live inside of our body. You know, as an adult, it's about the size of our two fists. As a kid, it's the size of our fists. But it's the epicenter of what, of where the blood flows through, you know. Gives life to everything that we have. But we know everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. So when we speak about the heart, the Lord knows all things. He knows the very depths of our heart. He knows the things that we don't even know are there. And the Bible preaches about this. The Bible says that our hearts, the human hearts, that they're wicked. But when we, when we think about it in, in, a, in a worldly sense, um, we think about it as, as what the world would say it is. If we're not thinking about it in the spiritual, the world would have it in Facebook as a like. The world would have it in um, pictures, you know, as motions, as things that we would just throw around to say, I love this, I love that. There's holidays based around it. You have Valentine's Day. It's all based around a heart of what, what the world would call love. We write it sometimes. I've been guilty of it. I love you with all my heart. You know? I love you with all my heart and soul. But really, in reality, the Lord is who we should love with all of our heart and all of our soul. Because then, only then can we know how to love somebody else. Whether it's our spouse, whether it's a brother and sister in Christ, or whether it's somebody that's going to walk through this door today or next week that is seeking the Lord. It is what the Lord would place in our hearts for us to have the ability to do that. It would be nothing else. So when we look at the word, and in our humanness, the Lord would say that the word would say that our hearts are wicked. Because in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The Lord searches our hearts. He knows our actions are directed by our hearts. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. 
I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So the Lord knows all things. We know this. He is sovereign over everything. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. He searches our hearts. He knows our actions are directed by our hearts and motives. And he knows the sin nature that we have in our flesh. And unless we have his Holy Spirit within us, then we are already judged for those things in the flesh. But because we have his Spirit, because he's revealed himself to us, because he covers us with his grace and with his mercy, Christ bears all those things. Thank you, Lord, for giving us away to the Father. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a way out. Because it is only because our Father in heaven is loving, that our Father in heaven is full of grace, kindness, and mercy, that we have this way out. Because, see, God doesn't have to do anything. He is in need of nothing. We walk in his mercy every day as a privilege. We have his presence as a privilege. He gives us examples throughout the word. Early on, you see in Genesis 4.1, the story of Cain and Abel. I'm just going to start in one. We know the story, but I'm going to go ahead and, and... Talk through this. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant when she gave birth to Cain. She said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which was swallowed, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. So in that, we see the condition of the heart. We see anger. We see jealousy. And we're not exempt from any of that outside of God, outside of the Spirit of the Lord. That is within us if we don't have Jesus. And even if we don't carry this act out in the physical sense, Jesus came and said, if you have hate in your heart, you are just as guilty of murder. If you look upon a woman with lust, you are just as guilty of adultery. So we see that in these moments, 
what the Lord is saying to us. He's saying, have a heart for me. You see, he tells Cain, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. You see, Abel gave the best portions of his lambs, the best portions of his flock, not because out of a necessity to do these things, but out of a response to who God is, out of a response for his existence, for God's love. He gave to the Lord from his heart. And as God asked Cain, you know, do the same. You will be accepted. I know your heart. And it was the Lord's will that he went the other way, that he held this deep in his heart to a point to where he carried out an act of murder for his brother. So we see that even after the Lord's warning, Cain still carried out this act. But throughout, throughout the text, throughout, throughout the word, God gives us warnings. He's loving in that way. He loves, he loves his creation. He warns us of these things in advance. So that, would be, that would be, they would be written on our hearts, so that maybe they'd be open to receive those things. That when the time comes for anger, for trials, for tribulations to come in, that we would heed God's word that we would know that we would trust in the Father above all else, that we would turn to the Father, that we would turn now to Christ who we have, who he's given to us, that we would turn to his Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, there's no other way. There's no other way to die to yourself. There's no other way to resist the temptations that come along. It is only by the power of God and His Holy Spirit and our faith in Jesus Christ that these things are possible. Amen. So the Lord's just, just been stirring. What is in your heart? Have a heart for me. There's a heart cry. There's a heart cry for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even in the pre-word, we're saying, who are we? Who are we but dust of the earth that God would take us and form us and breathe life into our nostrils and give us life and give us a heart so that he would place his Holy Spirit deep within us, that he would give us Christ because he is the creator. We are the creation. He is righteous and just for all the things that he does. And we are, we are nothing. Without him, we are nothing. We are all here not by our own strength, but only by the grace and the will of God has he brought us to a place to know him. Has he brought us to a place where our hearts are open to receive him. You see in Exodus where he uses Pharaoh, hardens his heart to use for his glory. And you see others where their hearts are opened to receive the word of God, to see the miracles that they're standing around to receive just by the fact that there is an existence in your creator. To be able to give reverence to the Lord. Praise God for that. Praise God for that moment, for that revelation that's come to us all.
And Christ, so, so rich in mercy, that he would, he would be able to forgive everyone who was called and chosen to be a child of God. Matthew 12, 31 says, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy, blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, it will, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that these things that we don't even know that we store in our hearts can be forgiven by the grace and the mercy of God each and every day that we walk in the mercy of the Lord, as was his plan from the beginning of time, from the beginning, to shower us with his mercy, that we would walk in the confidence of the Lord, that we would have a joy for the salvation that he has given us, that we wouldn't stay focused on all the things that are done, but on the creator himself, Amen. on the Lord. A heart that has been transformed by God will produce good fruit. It is evidence that godly things are stored there. A heart of stone will produce bad fruit. The things of the world are stored there. The things of the world that we hold on to. The things of the world that we give our time to, that we give our heart to. Those things of the world that are apart from God, those things are evil. Those things produce evil thoughts. Those things produce sin produce spiritual death. And none of us are exempt. I'm not exempt from any of that. It is only by the grace of God that God has shown me that I am in need of him, that we are all in need of him. But that this sin nature that we have inside of us that breeds these things, that we no longer have an obligation because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So even going along with the things that we store, it says in Matthew 6, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moss eat at them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moss and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, 
your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So you cannot serve God and be a slave to the world. You cannot have two masters. Your your heart cannot be divided. You either have a heart for the Lord or you have a heart for the world. We don't see things with human eyes anymore. We have spiritual eyes now to discern and to look at all things through the eyes of Christ, through the mind of Christ, through a heart that's been transformed. Yes, amen. Going along early on in, in, in our marriage, I can speak to the fact that my eyes were on the things of the world. My eyes were on the things that I could gain, that I can grasp onto, that I can hold, whether it was providing for family, having a wife and kids, a wife that would bring the kids to church. You know, I asked God, give me a wife. That she can bring the kids to church, they can receive the word. How faithful is God that he would use that prayer as far off as it was to say, I will give you that and so much more. I will give you that and so much more because I am what you need. I am the only thing that can sustain you. I'm the only thing that can transform your heart. With the things that you don't even know are there, I'm going to deal with those things. I'm going to bring them to the light. Not to condemn you, but to free you. Not to chain you, but to break the chains that bind you. And he's done those things. And I speak now even to not anyone who is struggling with whatever that struggle is, but there are those of us as well that have a a chain of self-dependency that we depend on nothing but ourselves, that we've been told, help yourself first and then receive help. Depend on yourself because nobody else will be able to help you when the truth is, depend on the Lord. Depend on God. Full dependency on God is what we all need. It is the only way. So if we go to Romans 121. You want to go with me there? We we've talked about earlier in the pre-word that the Lord cares enough to warn us. The Lord cares enough to remind us that we wouldn't be a people that would go back to Egypt or want to go back to Egypt or, or seek the things that, that gives us temporary gratification, right? That we wouldn't be so wrapped up in ourselves that 
we can't see the work that the Lord is doing through our trials and through our struggles. That we could see the Lord in all things. In Romans 1.21 it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So that rings true today. Only God, the Creator Himself, is worthy of eternal praise. And the Lord is saying, the Lord is reminding us of who He is. He has kept this body of believers in a place to where he is constantly reminding us who he is. He is constantly showing up. He is constantly revealing himself to us every day. Someone gets freed. Someone gets a word. It is nothing that we are doing in our own strength. It is nothing that any human is doing. It is all the spirit of the Lord that is moving. We can trust in him. What have we given our, our hearts to? That's what he's saying to everybody, to, to all people, to all his creation. That even in this body of believers that he's reminding us right now, he's saying to all his creation, what have we given our hearts to? The world is so clouded with things like celebrities, you know, the next holiday um, for the youth. Video games that take up your time, that sit in your mind, money, ourselves. What do we hold on to in our hearts? There's a cry of the Lord saying, it needs to be me. I am the Lord. It needs to be me that sits there. It needs to be me that reigns there. It needs to be me that makes a home there. May our heart be in a, in, a, in a posture to say, Lord, expose these things. Free us, Lord. Smash the idols that we have set before you. Crush them. Remind us of who you are. Bring us back to our knees. Keep us on our face so that we, we may worship you because you are worthy. If you go with me even to, to Romans 10, I'm going to read this in the message. Romans 10, 
In Romans 10, in the message, uh, looks like it's starting at verse 4, 4 through 10. The earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print, but trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it is from our heart that we trust in you. That is not just a declaration. It's not just something that I can say because we do that all the time. We do that all the time in the world. God, God knows our hearts. We can say pretty much anything right now, but unless there's the Spirit within us, unless the Spirit is dwelling with our hearts, unless the Spirit is speaking truth, then those words have no meaning. It is only by the work of the Holy Spirit within us can we have that heart posture that's for the Lord, that the Lord can seek to live there, to be deep-rooted within us. Then the declaration comes, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Because I have seen it with my own eyes. You have taken home in my heart. You have cleaned out the things that are not of you. Amen. And you continue to do this. You continue to sanctify your people. You continue to work and live among us. You're ahead of us, showing us the things of the Lord. So that we continue to have a reverence for you. You have put that faith in us because you are at faith. You have put the hope in us because you are our hope. You are love. Without you and the message that you bring, without the resurrection of Jesus, what are we all doing? Why are we here? Why has the Lord brought us here? Because we believe in our hearts that this message is true. We have faith that this message is true. And only God can do this work. Only God can open up our hearts to receive this message. So God does it all. When God makes his home in our hearts, we can't help but declare his goodness. We need to stop trying to do things in our own strength. We need to stop thinking that we've accomplished something.
We are only strong in the Lord. And he shows his power in our weaknesses, in our vulnerability, in our openness with each other. When we walk out life together, in the fellowship, in the fellowship, everything is a reflection of the relationship with the Father. If you go to Acts 16, starting in verse 14. I shall start in 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. She urged us until we agreed. So again, it just shows that we can do nothing to open the hearts of people. It's only the Lord that can accomplish this. He will do his work through us to deliver his message, and he will make his message be heard. He will water it. He will make it grow. He will do this for whom he has chosen. And he will do this at his appointed time. So praise God. Praise God that we all have an appointed time, that we've heard from the Father, that we've heard from Jesus, that we've received him in our heart, that he lives there. No one can deny that the work of the Lord is evident in this body. You, you need just to walk through the door to feel the presence of the Lord. And that's nothing to boast about in the church. That's nothing to boast about that we have done anything. It's just the Spirit of God is evident. You can feel it. It's all around us. And when people see this, there's different reactions that we get, even now. For me to be up here speaking, talking about the Word of the Lord, that's, a, that's just the work of the Lord in itself. And people would see that, that would know me, or people would see you and the change that they haven't seen in a long time. They haven't seen you in a while. And they see a difference. They see the work of the Lord, right? But not everybody receives that. Not everybody notices what the Lord is doing. Not everybody has had their eyes opened, had the veil removed. So sometimes from friends, we may get there may be a conversation where it feels like, you know, they feel like they've been abandoned or they feel like they're being judged now. You know, to people that are close to us, we're now seen as over-spiritual because we give glory to God in everything. We may seem weird. We may be even told, you're just trying too hard. Right? You're just trying too hard. 
even to uh, those of us that haven't seen or talked to, or even if we have. You know, we have parents, you know, and if they haven't been in a place to where God has revealed things in the truth, if they're in disagreement, there's a feeling there, you know. There's, there's, there's some flesh there. There's a feeling of, of even failure, the sense of they haven't properly equipped their children, that they haven't done enough Because the work of God is evident in those things that you're used to talking about, those things that you're used to conversing about, those things that God has circumcised out of your life, they're no longer a point of conversation. They're no no longer a point of necessity to bring up. So there's a sense of, what did I do wrong? I feel a disconnect here, like I'm losing you to somebody else, like I'm losing you to people rather than seeing the Lord has done a work. He has called you to know him because we do know him here. We have a relationship with him. He has chosen us to walk out his mercy every day. He has chosen us to do a work that he is going to finish. He has set that time already, and it will be completed. And even in that, um, what the Lord is saying is that he has equipped our hearts for that. He has equipped our hearts for the, the conversations, for the, the looks, for the side discussions. And he's, he's, he's allowed us to realize and he's, he's allowed us and he's revealed to us that any of those, those things that we feel like our friends, our family, other people would have an ought or an aggression or a dislike for us, that it's not us. It's really directed towards the Lord and the work of the Lord. And that we would show mercy, we would show grace in that. Have we, have we not been shown that grace? Have we not been shown that mercy? Have we not been in that place where we couldn't see it? And it's just an outpouring to the body that our cups and our hearts would be filled and they would overflow to those around us, those in the body, to those that don't know, to those that are going to walk through the door. That just because there is a situation that can come and try to distract us, the Lord continues to move. He continues to move forward.
If we can go to Proverbs uh, 4. So in Proverbs 4, it starts off by saying, My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The ways of the Lord are just so much better than our own. True wisdom comes from the Lord. And if he dwells within our hearts, he directs our steps. He gives us the direction that our lives should, should lead. And it's only through Christ can we endure all things. It's only through Christ can we, that we can do all things that are according to God's will. To endure, to love, to have patience with one another, to show mercy and grace. It is only by his power. So in Matthew 10, 26, it says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness Shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. For only God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So you see it says, what I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. 
This is what the Lord has told us all when we've been in that place, that quiet place, that secret place where we feel that nobody's around, right? Where he's come and the silence is so loud because the Lord is whispering to us. I'm putting putting these things in your heart that you would come to me, that you would know me, that you would have a heart for me. Only then will you have life. Only then will you be able to love one another, show compassion. And from that, you won't be afraid. You won't be afraid to shout of my goodness. You won't be afraid to declare my truth. You won't be afraid to walk out this life, to pick up your cross, to die daily, to declare the goodness of the Lord. There will be a boldness among you now. That the truth, God's message, will be continued to be carried forward by those that he have chosen. You see, the Lord put it in the heart of the thief on the cross to cry out to him and say, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. We have all had that moment. We have all had that moment. It's not to wait any longer. It's not to wait until you're there. That moment has come. He has cried out to your heart and said, this is what I've put there. So if he is rooted there, then we say, Lord, remember me. When you're in your kingdom, remember me. And his kingdom is here now, and it is to come. Christ is here now, he's alive, and he is to come. He was there in the beginning, and now we wait patiently for him to come. We look forward now. We don't fear death anymore because we know that when death comes, we have a greater promise, right? When death comes, it's to be with the Father in heaven and to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. We know this now. So when someone we know and someone we love goes from this life to be with the Father, we rejoice. Yes, there is a natural mourning, but we rejoice because they are there. We don't know when it's our time. It's all in the Lord's timing. But he's saying, remember who I am. Remember that I dwell in your hearts. That's where I long to be. Because I am jealous for a relationship with you. I am jealous for my creation. And it's a righteous jealousy that only God can have. When we have a jealousy, it's wicked. It's wicked. But God's jealousy is is righteous. It's out of love for his creation. And this was the plan in the beginning, to walk out in his mercy. If, If you go to Ephesians,
Ephesians 1, 4. It says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all his wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen. Amen. And this, give, this gives God pleasure, that we would trust in his Son, that by his blood we have been cleansed. And by receiving this in our heart, we have been made right with God. And now we are called to declare his goodness to the world. Amen. I praise God. I praise God for the work that he's doing and he continues to do and the fact that we are privileged to be in his presence, that we are privileged to walk out life together, that we build each other up and mature each other in Christ. That is the only thing that binds us, that is our commonality, is Christ, that we wouldn't give each other anything else in our times of need. We wouldn't feed our flesh in the times that we need Christ. We would be completely unified in all things because of Christ. So I praise God for that. So Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for the work that you are doing. I thank you for the salvation that you have given us. And I thank you, Lord, for being our Lord. I thank you, God, for being God. Lord, thank you for your word, your truth, your life. Continue, Lord, to open our hearts. Continue, Lord, to minister to our hearts. Continue to reside there. Continue to keep us at your feet and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.